We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, but let's review verse 3. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit. The exhortation he's speaking of is teaching, the gospel message. The gospel is not the salvation message. That's just the beginning. The gospel is 99% of other things. But once saved, always saved. Of course, they're heretics. And so they believe once you get them in the kingdom, nothing else is important. Well, Paul didn't teach that. He said, we simply begin the race. And if you don't continue in the race and finish it and endure in Christ, you'll not make it. Your salvation will not be complete. Uh, You will not make it into the kingdom. So the gospel message gives the whole message. As Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. And he said, teaching them to observe everything I told you. He didn't say go and preach four scriptures of how to be saved. How to be saved is not complete in itself. We are being saved. We are being conformed as we walk in the Lord. We're under a probation and we have to overcome. We are being tested. We're given weapons of warfare We're given graces by the Lord, but if they're not used, they're vain. They're not automatic. They're not irresistible. A person has something to do with it. We bear fruit. Christ does not bear fruit for us. He bears fruit in us by our cooperation. Without the branches yielding, there is no fruit. Without the branches relying on the life of the vine, there is no fruit. So there's the union of the two, okay? So he said, we've preached, we've brought you this message, and it is a pure gospel, it's no error. Remember, he dealt with Judaizers and false people even at this time. We have no deceit, we're not trying to get money from you. Uh, We're not trying to be popular among you. We've come to give you the true gospel. And so that's what he was telling them. In verse 4, But just as we have been approved by God and to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our heart. Approved of God. People have no business preaching, witnessing, teaching, unless God's approved them lest he's called them and anointed them. Or most people take it up on their own. They think they'll go to a seminary and learn something. It has nothing to do with that intellect. No matter how brilliant you are, if God has not called you, you're vain. You'll have no impact into the spiritual kingdom. So it's a calling. The Christian says, look at your calling, your Christian call. Paul said, there are not many noble not many rich and wise. God's called the simple of the world. He was comparing the Jews, thought they were very intellectual, and they had a better chance than anybody else. They didn't like the Gentiles, really. And so they considered them all dogs and ignorant. And these are the ones that Paul, being a Christian Jew, he said, they're the ones that God's chosen. He said, the foolish of this world, those that are despised, those who are not gifted, those who are not rich. So he was mainly talking to the the Jewish hypocrites and the Judaizers that thought they were better, and God had already been rejecting them, and they didn't see what was coming. Okay, He allowed them, and he sent 
uh, spirits of deception as a punishment to them. So we're not coming to deceive you, he's telling them. And God has approved us. So a person that's sent by the Lord, like the apostolic ministries or teaching or preaching, they're appointed ministers, the fivefold ministry. People do not choose that on their own unless they meet the qualification. People can be deacons and certain elders and stuff, but the fivefold ministry is a calling. And those who want to teach and pastor, they can seek the Lord and uh, meet the conditions, and the Lord honors it. But apostolic and prophetic ministries, they're of a higher order, and people don't choose that. God chooses that. And he can promote others that have lesser ministry. If they're faithful, he can give them more. So there can be deacons and elders that God calls to teach or to pastor, or he can give them a prophetic call. It's not all fixed. So in the kingdom, God is not frivolous in giving people things. And if he does give them something, they're tested and proved. And as the scripture said, Paul says, you don't give a new beginner, a novice, any kind of authority. He'll be propped up like the devil, and God will have to judge it. But nowadays, everything's done that way because it's the world that runs most of the so-called churches. So uh, we are uh, appointed ambassadors. We are appointed witnesses for Christ. And so we cannot or do not seek to please people. Now, we please people and try to be kind and nice and get along with them, be at peace with all men, but not when the gospel comes into play or God's word, we don't compromise it, and that's why we make enemies. So those who are truly called of God, if everybody likes them, Jesus warned them. He said, be careful, because uh, they spoke well of the false prophets, too. So he said, the world's going to hate you. So if you're giving the true word, eventually you're going to get opposition, or people are not going to like it, professing Christians are not going to like it, because their conscience smites them, they want to be saved and live as they want to, and many of them are, are deceived. And most professing Christians are going up in hell. And Jesus said they're lawless. They didn't submit to Christ's law, but they believed who he was, like the devils do. They're afraid of him. They know a day's coming that they're going to be tormented in the lake of fire. But it doesn't change them. It can't change them. They're fixed in their evil. So Christians are servants to Christ and other Christians. Even Christ said the apostles were to be servants. They weren't to lord over other Christians. They have their ministry, but they were not to rule or command like many of the churches did, and like the Pharisees did, and the priestly family. They demanded authority and made people submit to him. He said, Christianity is not like that. Uh, the worst uh, the Christian church can do to someone who doesn't comply is to throw them out. We're not told to beat anybody. We're not told to persecute them. We're told to separate from them. So if a person claims to be a Christian and he's living in gross sin, he is to be warned, and if he doesn't heed it, he is to be removed. But nowadays, people say the church is for sinners. Well, the Bible didn't mean for practicing sinners. And there's no place was the church for sinners. It's for Christians, the saints. They were to be ex-sinners, okay? 
So we have perversions of the gospel. We invite anybody. Well, that's wonderful, but not if they're living in gross sin because they didn't accept them. So people need to get back to common sense. So first and foremost, we're servants of the Lord. And Paul did say, if I was a servant of men, I couldn't serve the Lord. So he's putting it in its proper category. He said, I'm a servant of the church. He commented you in a humbleness and he wasn't demanding. He was trying to get them to come to the Lord and stay with him. So in that way, he was a servant to them. Okay. So any ministry to the Lord is secondary to our ministry to Christ. If we are not ministering to Christ properly, our ministry doesn't mean nothing. A lot of people could be surprised. They've got ministry, and they're gifted in certain areas, and they think it's going to count for them. But it's not. If they don't follow the Lord, it's all wood, hay, and stubble. Uh, even the, Christ in the Old Testament applies. The sacrifices of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. He doesn't need nothing from people who think they can ease their conscience and buy God off. See, they think their good's going to outweigh the bad they've done. It doesn't work that way. You're following the Lord or you're not. You're obeying him. You're seeking daily to follow him or you're not. And that determines who and what you really are. And that determines what Jesus said, why call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I tell you. You have to obey him. Uh huh. And he said, I call you friends if you do what I tell you. If you're not his friend, you're an enemy. He doesn't care about this lip service stuff. Everybody says, Lord, Lord, nowadays. All of America's are Christians. Well, that's outwardly. They're not. And that's why we got masses, a billion of them, that think they're Christians. And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. They were never regenerated. They never followed the Lord. They served some Christianity and some teaching and mixed it with their own will and thought that would please God. They're going to find out differently. So we cannot, as the servant of Christ, compromise our lifestyle or our teaching and beliefs when it comes to the Word of God. So his will and word, we do not compromise for anything. Otherwise, we are a hireling and we're not the Lord's servant. So we seek to please God who sees the heart, the spirit, what we're really made of and what we're really intending to do. So let's go to Philippians chapter 3, 14 through 16. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us as as many are mature, have this mind. It means follow God's will and what he wants to do. Uh, you want to please the Lord and do what his will is for you. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this to you. So if you are seeking to do this and there's things in your life he's not pleased with, uh, he will start to deal with your conscience over it. Okay? Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, whatever level, whether you're a babe in Christ, a young man or a father, uh, whatever level you are in maturity, he said, uh, walk at that degree that you've got. 
Don't go back. Don't regress. Let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. Now he's talking about Christians among themselves. We mature. We grow. We get enlightened. Our conscience is enlightened and we have more liberty. With the Spirit of the Lord, there's liberty. Some Christians that are babes at the beginning don't have the full liberty because they still can't do certain things and their conscience okays that. Many of the converted Jews were still upholding much of the law and ceremony and they thought it was a sin not to do it. And so Paul said, well, that's where they're at. Until their conscience is enlightened, you're not to encourage them. You can't say, well, because I do it, you can do it. Uh, The scripture is whatever is not of faith is sin. God is not into presumption. If you question something, whether it's right or wrong, and you're not sure, then God's attitude is don't do it. Doesn't even matter if it's legitimate. You don't do that. You make sure your conscience approves. And the conscience, as you study the word and walk in the spirit, it becomes more enlightened. And then it has more liberty. So the mature Christian realizes he's not bound by a Sabbath. He doesn't have to observe moons and this and certain days. He's free to do as he pleases that way. A true Christian is living the Sabbath. He doesn't have to keep the Sabbath. He's in the Sabbath, a spiritual Sabbath. He ceased from his own works as God did. He's in the spirit realm now. He's doing spiritual work, not natural things. So we're not bound. But some of them were. Some of the Galatians were being fooled and brought back under the law by the Judaizers and false teachers. And Paul had something very strong to say to them. He said, who's bewitched you? He said, you've gone back into that? He said, I'll pray that Christ will be formed in you again. He was saying that you'll be born again, again, because you've rejected it and you've gone back to try to be justified by the keeping of ceremonies and laws and so forth. So he was saying, I'm going to pray that Christ will move in you again. So he didn't. He said, your gospel's vain. You began in the spirit and now you're back in the flesh. So he meant no words with them. It was either get in or get out. And the Judaizers had to test them. And even later, Paul says, heresies must be. God allows these things to test the Christian, to challenge what's in him. And if he doesn't mean business with the Lord, and he's not following the Lord properly in his conscience, he'll fall for deception. It's God's will that he get in or out. It's God's will that he continue. And he has to be sifted and tested at various levels. That is the probation we're under. And then to be faithful to the Lord to the end. Verse 5, For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, speaking to them, nor with a pretext for greed or covetousness. That would sound like they had the prosperity faith people there too at the same time. So God is witness to this, okay? We did not come as philosophers and learned people of the world. We did not flatter you and seek to get something from you. Like most of the false teachers or philosophers, they wanted to be honored and get money and have patrons and so forth, and that's how they did it. Thus Paul tells us, 
they will seek because they are teachers with itching ears among the church and among the fellowship, and they're listening, and they want to find out what the people want because they can make money that way and be popular. That sounds very familiar today. So they know the people often want smooth words, and they don't like being corrected, and so they feed that. But actually, they're covetous as the ones preaching the materialistic gospel to them. And it's never changed. If anything, it's got worse today where we live. Most of the gospel in the world is a false gospel. Okay, So most of those so-called faith and prosperity teachers are of that class. Itching ears. Give them what they want. They're materialistic. Their main emphasis is money and greed and covetousness. Well, Paul says something about it, covetousness. We go there quite a bit. Some of these things we ought to read often because it's the age we live in. A lot of people want to study all this information in the Bible, and they don't do uh, what they've been told, so they're wasting their time. God doesn't give information just to satisfy your carnal curiosity. Whatever we get and receive, we're going to be held accountable for. We're not going to be freed from certain things. So if you don't intend to obey the Lord, don't study the Scripture. It's going to bring more condemnation on you. Ephesians 5.5. The translation, many says, for you know this and foreknow this, or if you don't know this, he's saying no fornicator or impure person nor covetous man who is an idolatra, materialism, greed, money, all that. That's what everything's centered around. What does he say? They're an idolatra. And he said, no one like this has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So if you are that way, you're not a Christian. It doesn't matter what you say, what you believe about Jesus, what you confess. Your greed and covetousness makes you a practicing gross sinner, and you're not going to make it to heaven. Okay. And again, the next verse he says, which people should listen to, let no one lie to you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So if you're a covetous person, verse 7 says, therefore do not be partakers with them. So if you're covetous, you're going to experience, if not here, later, the wrath of God, because he don't count you his. So we can see what God's attitude is toward many of these false forms and false doctrines and heresies that are propagated. Now, whatever happened to be content in all things, you don't hear much of that from the prosperity teachers, do you? Their whole life is getting giving to get. They're thinking money. They're thinking power. And they think God wants to prosper them. They misconstrued and they twist scripture. And they believe their deceptions because they want to believe it. See, they're of this world. Their spirit has really not been changed. Or they never got out of the baby stage, so they regressed into a false gospel. First Timothy. First Timothy 6. Oh, let's read it, 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is a great gain. Well, that automatically 
tells you that people are so interested in building homes and houses and cars and all that kind of stuff, their preoccupation's wrong. Many of them, they got two and three and four houses and go, you know, they're not sad because they're covetous. It's not God's blessing. It's a curse on them because they don't know how to handle it. And that's why Jesus said it's very difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom. He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And Peter said, well, who can be saved, basically? And Christ said, with God, all things are power. He was saying there are some rich Christians, but they're not bound or controlled by materialism. Uh-huh. He said, surely we brought nothing into this world and we're not carrying anything out. So it's like, watch this. Having food and clothing, be with these content. How many people have you found in that state? Are they really content? They're not. Many of them I've found not to be. But those who desire, didn't say that are, but those who desire to be rich, they make it their goal. They fall into temptation and a snare that many foolish and harmful lusts come about, which drown men in destruction and perdition. What drowns them in hell is what he's talking about. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Because if you have money, you can do a lot of things you can't do and a lot of wicked things. And they've strayed from the faith. That shows you they were in the Lord at one time and they ceased being content and they were getting back into the world system. And they strayed in their greediness and pierced themselves with many sorrows, spiritual sorrows. Oh, they may prosper in the world and they may be happy in the world. It's going to cost them their eternal soul, though. So they think because they're happy, God's in it. I've had adulterers tell me, well, God must be in it because it's so wonderful. I thought, you're a fool. You don't know God. You don't know Scripture. That's called the pleasures of sin for a season. But people are going to pay for it. And the wages of those sin is eternal death. See, they forget to tell them that part. Okay. Real quickly, though, we'll go to 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, are probably one of my favorite scriptures because it's the age we live in. For the time will come when they will not endure sound teaching. Well, we're there. But according to their own desires, desire to be rich, covetous, worldliness, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They'll get the teachers to give them what they want and make them feel good. Well, they're doing that's why they're popular. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn to lies. Well, that's what they've done. So they'll prosperity people will tell you it's God's blessing and God's gift. See? And they're believing a lie. It's covetousness. I've talked to these people after 40 years, and they never progress. Everything's about a new house, a new car. God's blessing me. You don't see no spirituality about them because it can't be. They're covetous. They're living a life of covetousness. They're not satisfied. They're not using their wealth and stuff for God's kingdom and for moderation and for living, which we're given. John said, we're given richly all things to enjoy within its bounds. 
Transgression means you go beyond the law. So they've transgressed God's gifts. And even God said it. They worship the creation more than the creator. So they take all these pleasures and gifts and they run them too far where they're not God's pleased with them anymore and they become evil. So you can use money wisely or you can use the evil. Things in themselves are neither good nor bad. It's what the person does with them. That's what makes it good or bad, okay? So we have many. Most professing Christians, remember that, are not Christians. They may have been at one time, but if that's the life they're living, they're not Christians. And Paul names 20-some sins and says, if you practice these things, he said, you will not inherit the kingdom. You will not go to heaven. And so what does that mean? You're not a Christian at that time. You mean to get right with the Lord, but many people still want their religion. They want God and the world. And like Jesus said, you can't serve God and mammon, which was the God of riches. You can't do it. He won't allow it. They think they're doing it, though. Paying off God, giving him some money, giving him some, and then they give everything else over to their pleasures and their lust. And then they tell themselves, this is God's blessing. They insult God. So we're seeing then, this is where we live. So keep your eyes open or you'll be deceived. Okay, and verse 6. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others. And though as apostles of Christ, we may have asserted our authority. Okay? A lot of people misunderstand this one too. The vain philosophers and teachers love to be honored by the people. They want to be popular, liked, because there's more money that way. Okay? Paul did not use his apostolic authority to get money or honor. There was a place, but when Paul was preaching to beginners and those who heard the gospel, he didn't mention money. But once the church was established, we'll find out he did, and he told them their stewardship and their responsibility and what they should do, okay? So he laid a good foundation. They were more willing to listen to him because he wasn't harping on money at this time, or even the proper place for it, he didn't consider it important at this moment. So later on, as they grew in the Lord, they understood and were taught their duty to proper ministers and teachers and people who were in need, mainly Christians, okay? And I've heard people say, well, all ministers should live by faith. Well, I think sometimes I say, well, you're a hypocrite. Do you? You're a servant of God. It doesn't matter what your occupation is. Every time you get a paycheck, you should give it away and live by faith. Then they back up and they don't think they can do that. Well, that ain't what God intended, okay? He intended people in general to work and have money, be supported, so they can support themselves and their family. That was God's intention, okay? So uh, those who are preaching the word in their main occupation, and especially these traveling ministers and prophets and apostles, they had a right to be so important by the flock, and God would take care of them in a negative way. If they didn't, it was a responsibility. And when they went to new areas like Paul did, they felt it wasn't right to put this on outsiders. They wanted to bring Christ. They didn't want to be stopped begging for money. 
So you try not to mention that because they have to be matured into that. Later on, as they understand teaching, that it makes sense to them. But Paul said, if we minister spiritual things to you, he was talking to the Corinthians and other churches who were complaining and didn't want to support him, and they were rich, many of them. He said, is it so wrong that we receive carnal or material support? So he made it plain. If we're giving you the best and the spiritual things, is it such a small, great matter if you support us when we come through, that you're hospitable, you feed us, you put us in, and give us money for the journey? He was saying, is that such a great thing? And even Paul talked about the Gentiles coming in. He said, with the Jews that received Christ and they were having problems in Jerusalem, he was gathering a big offering to take to them. And many of the Gentile groups were giving him money. And he said, you should. He said, you receive spiritual things from the spiritual Jews. He's referring to Abraham. I, he said, so now you've got that, then you should support them when they're in earthly needs. So he seemed to use the same principle. So when people tell me that medicine, I thought, you, you don't know scripture. You're a fool. You should. You in a category that teach, like James said, after he rebuked them and called them fools, he said, not many of you should be teachers. See, they talk out of their mouth. They don't know scripture. They give their own opinion. Well, maybe God one day will put them in a situation and they'll wish they had kept their mouth shut when he deals and disciplines if they're his. And getting into this covetous thing, I remember years ago, in person, I heard one of these prosperity ministers. whole sermon had to do with money and materialism and all that. And he said in his sermon, and everybody was astounded, I'm rich. I own four restaurants, and I have a couple of hotels, and blah, 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 blah. Yet because I minister the gospel, I must be supported by God's people. I thought, well, you greedy hypocrite. Yet most of the people were clapping their hands. You know why? Because they were trained in covetousness. See, they wanted to be like that. They wanted to be rich and still be supported. See, that's where their mind was. Second Peter 2, 3. Before we go on, the two most horrible doctrines going to see most professing Christians in America. I've held to it for 20 years. Once saved, always saved, and the prosperity gospel. That's going to damn millions, because that's what they're living in. A license to sin and covetousness, it's going to lead them to hell. That's where it's going to lead them. Okay. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 3. By covetousness, materialism, greed, they will exploit you or merchandise you with lying words. Isn't that a fascinating? And yet those people are clapping their hands. They don't, they can't see this. Oh, they want to be prosperous. They want to own four hotels and they want to be supported by God's people because they're materialistic. They're idolatrous. And if you read the groups that are thrown into the lake of fire in the book of Revelations, idolatrous are mentioned there very quickly. Okay. So they'll exploit merchandise. Everything is money and things with these teachings, okay? Jeremiah. Sometimes we have to go to the old. Jeremiah 5, verse 31. The prophets prophesy falsely 
and the priests or the ministers rule by their own power, and my people love it so. Well, that's where we're at. You turn a television program, you see all the preachers are well-known, well-liked, they're prosperous, they got masses, but you listen very closely, you don't feel the whole gospel's being preached. They're holding back. They only want a positive word to these people. And it says that my people, my people love it so. Uh-huh. But he asked the question, which everybody's going to have at the day of judgment. Uh-huh. But what will you do in the end? Why, you're going to be cast into the lake of fire. That's what's going to do. You're not going to be able to stand in the day of the Lord. Okay, That's when they're going to flee and run from the wrath of the Lamb. They're not going to be talking about loving Jesus then. He's going to be a king and a judge, and it's not going to be a time to get right with God. Okay. Verse 7. But we proved to be gentle among you. He's saying, well, we came, not as the flatterers, the arrogant ones, seeking money and power and something from you. But he said, we were gentle among you as a nursing mother cares for her children. So we prove our actions to be kind and gentle when we were with you. Like a mother with a babe at her breast is what he's expressing. We did not come in arrogance and demanding to be honored and treated as if we were God's gift to you. Well, that's how many of them did. Verse 8. And having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. Now, isn't it astounding? He couldn't write that to the Corinthian church, and he wrote three letters to them. You don't see him talking as a whole. Of course, all the Corinthians weren't like that. They had some good ones. But as a whole, he didn't mince no words with them. But he didn't have nothing negative to write, basically, to these people. They were just astounding to him how readily they received. And it made them love and have more affection for them because they were receiving this readily, okay? And so he's saying, you moved us so that we would give you our lives. Well, they were driven away. They didn't stay as long as they planned because the Judaizers and other, they had a large Jewish community in Thessalonica and they stirred up trouble with the authorities, and they had to leave. The Jewish community did not want the gospel of any kind because they thought the Christians were a sect and they were representing, some of them were representing the Jews. They didn't like this. The Gentile was a dog, and he's outside, and we don't need to give him anything. That's their attitude. You can see why they were hated so by the other nations. Even God said, the Gentiles blaspheme God because of the way you live. Well, it hadn't changed through the ages, okay? So they were a nice group of people. and had become, while they were with such an honor and joy to give the gospel, and they received it so well, it was the gospel of God in Christ. So Paul was moved. Now remember this, in some areas and synagogues he went to, he was moved to shake the dust off his feet as a witness against them. He was angry with them. They threw him out of the synagogues and said some horrible things. And he went out and shook the dust off his feet. You know what he said? They had so rudely rejected him and the gospel. You judge yourselves unworthy of the kingdom. 
He said, I'll go to the Gentiles then. That was God speaking, and God was still hardening them. And after 70 years, he destroyed the religious system. And most of them that survived between a half a million and three quarters of a million were killed under Titus, and many of them were made slaves. Uh That was the punishment upon them, okay, upon the nation. And they kept rejecting Christ. That was part of the punishment. Okay. So you judge yourselves unworthy of the kingdom. When a person rejects the kingdom, that's bad enough. But when they mock you and resist it, you're not told to keep going at them. Even Jesus told Peter when he said the scribes and Pharisees, they just like what you're saying. They were false. He said, leave them alone. He said, the blind lead the blind. They both fall into the ditch. The ditch was hell. He said, let them deceive these people. These people are deceived for what reason? I always say two reasons. They don't want the truth, or they don't want to obey it, and they like what they're doing. And therefore, they open themselves to deceiving spirits. Okay? Let's take a break here.